Hola, welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Everyone, thank you for following us out there globally, especially from India and the European countries. We have hit global charts and that makes me very happy to know that you appreciate this content and the guests that we bring on. Today, I have a very special guest, Geetha Vallobanini. She is the CEO of LuminexInc.com. She has 18 years plus of computer engineering And she also is deeply committed to transforming the way people interact with enterprise software and its information. So we get real today on the diversity and inclusion of women in tech, but what it means to bring your human heart into technology. So welcome, Geeta, today. Hola. Thank you so much for having me. And also thank you for being you. I remember meeting you for the first time and you had this amazing, positive, reinforcing words to me because this was, I think, 2012, a year into after I started my company and you were working at Dell and Mm -hmm. just meeting you and remembering you and feeling encouraged by a fellow woman who has been (laughs) down the same career paths and challenges. So I really am lucky to have met you and happy to reconnect. Yeah, same here. I mean, there's a big hashtag that goes around that says the future is female. And I strongly believe that. Absolutely believe that. So one of the things that I like to bring into the conversation with the women that I have on the podcast is The fact that they matter in technology, which literally the story that you wrote on LinkedIn about yourself was like a movie in my mind. And I mentioned that to you of how I could see everything so vividly. And the way you wrote it was just, it's like a book. And then after speaking with you and understanding your journey and how you you came over here, which you're going to talk about because it's so amazing. I understand why it was so eloquently written. And I just want to quote this opening that you do, this one paragraph that really resonates with a lot of immigrants that come here, especially, you know, a lot of migrant workers here in California. And this was very, you know, touching to me. It says, my parents were from a remote village They were not even high school graduates. We had no money, no connections. I did not go to an elite college or colleges. I should have really felt like an outsider that I was. Instead, I felt like a point in a point land, which I want want to understand that. And this is like a world and a universe within. This tendency of not defining myself in ways the world may define me. It may explain a few things about me. So that was kind of deep. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you were thinking about everything in that one paragraph. And I was like, wow. So, yeah, I I mean, I want to hear about that. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for the kind words about the article. Like I start the article, I'm a huge believer in stories. We as human beings, right, we have evolved to connect through words and stories. So I'm really appreciative of your 
positive compliments about my writing. That makes me very happy. Oh, gosh. Uh, It's way above my aptitude, I want to (laughs) say. Go on. Sorry. The reference you made is actually one of my favorite books. It's called Flatland. Uh, It was Mm -hmm. written in the 1800s by an English author. Wow. So I read that every few years because what it does is sort of like makes us realize the way we perceive the world. So I'll quickly give you a summary of the book. The book is called Flatland. So he, he actually has these characters that are, you know, squares in two dimensional land, a line in line land, right? And a sphere in sphere land. Mm. And in the book, sometimes they sort of like, you know, meet, but then are completely unable to understand each other. Because when you think about basic mathematics, If you Mm -hmm. take a line, it cannot have a concept of two dimensions because it exists in one dimension. Mm -hmm. Same thing. How can a square understand what it means to be a sphere? Because that's a a different dimension. And there is this concept of the point land because when you write or draw a point on a paper, Mm -hmm. what else does it know? Nothing else except for itself. Right. So and there is this beautiful paragraph in that um, book where, you know, these characters, the two dimensional characters are trying to talk to point and point because there is nothing that exists outside of it thinks, ooh, I am hearing my own voice. Right. Like, think about it, how profoundly deep this book is. Mm. So that's what I mean about point and point land is. Sometimes I feel like I'm complete within and it's a good thing in some ways and it's a very bad thing in other ways, right? When we're Mm -hmm. talking about self-sufficiency and Mm self-confidence, if we can be point lands in our own view of ourselves, that's a great service to ourselves. But of course, please don't be that way and be open to concepts and learning and open mind when it comes to other things. Wow. I feel like you and Neil deGrasse need to be on a show together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'd love to meet him. Get into astrophysics and the third dimension. Oh, God. I watched the cosmos there for a while. Right. Just listening to him because that brought me down from all the toxicity of the news. Right. <laughs> like, yes. Let's just, let's just think about how small we are really right. in the greater scheme of things and that everything's going to be okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> but that sounds wonderful. I mean, you know, just to break it down in little bite-sized chunks. I think what we're trying to really say is that if you can't fit a square peg in a round hole, <laughs> right? If, if that means, you know, if I could just boil it down, I don't know if that means anything, but it sounds like that's what it means. Yeah, we are who we are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, I think it's inherently important for all of us to realize we have to strive to better ourselves Mm -hmm. but we have to be proud of who we are at the core of our beings. Absolutely. That's it. It's hard to have that confidence, especially today, but it is very apparent that we just have to stay strong. And and I keep saying that. And, you know, this segues really nicely into 
how you grew up in a rural town in India on a farm and just that experience to where you are today. I know that's probably a huge journey, but you write about it so succinctly in that piece. And And I know it's on your website too, under your blog, but can you just talk about that experience there with your family and how you came to college because it's an experience that I think a lot of people who don't have very much who see America as this huge opportunity. And here you are, a CEO of a software company. It's awesome. So we all are products of our environments, right? I mean, there is that eternal conversation about nature and nurture. Mm -hmm. I'm a true believer we are a combination of both. To in nurture actually plays a bit more than we think it does, right? We often buy into the myth of the person somehow is so awesome, they achieved everything by themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's really overrated. Looking back on my own life, nurture played a, a real role. And my relationship, like you identify with male figures in my life, is very important. My dad is one of the kindest, most thoughtful, even-tempered people that I Mm. know. And he truly believed in equality for all of us. I mean, he had three daughters, my mom and him, no sons. That really played a role probably, too, Mm. because in a way for them, we're their offspring. It doesn't matter which gender. Uh, And that's how they behaved. And India is a traditional society. So it is somewhat unusual, but I also don't want to, you know, make it so special because farming communities overall can be egalitarian comparatively Mm. because when it comes to it, you know, my aunt's And my mom helped on the farm, Mm -hmm. if not equally, you know, yeah. So um, how can you say one parent has more authority than the other? So both by being who they are really made an impression on me and the environment of the farming and how my mom was equally involved in decision making in terms of hey when do you water the mm-hmm. crop when you know because they have to coordinate with together mm-hmm. and a couple of words about my mom and you can obviously tell I admire my dad but I also admire my mom and I think it sort of dawned on me a little later in life and this is Freudian by mm. the way all of us look to the opposite parent mm, first true. as a role mm-hmm. model. But now that I'm in my early 40s, I look back on my mom and, and how much her behavior mattered to mm. me. So, for example, if, you know, neighbors, we lived on a farm, if neighboring farmer came over, my mom just didn't retreat to the kitchen and made tea and disappear. She sat down with with them and talked with them and expressed her opinions. Mm-hmm. If anything, she's known as a woman of <laughs> fiery, <laughs> you know, <laughs> she'll, she does not put up with bullshit. So, <laughs> nice. Nice. Like every yes, woman of yeah. the house does. Happy wife, yeah. happy life, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I realize, you know, that thinking about that on a forming psyche, that makes, you know, uh, an impression like a woman's place is 
sitting down with men and talking mm. and and expressing her opinions mm-hmm. equally, you know, valid opinions. And my grandparents played a role too. So in Indian society, it's not uncommon. Right after my mom had me, she was dealing with an infection. So at two two weeks old, I was shipped over to my maternal grandparents' mm. house and they raised me. The way they behaved were exactly the same, um, very uh, nurturing. Mm-hmm. And I think I told you in one of my conversations, the first memory of myself of how I was perceived by others was people telling me I was smart. Oh, wow. Because apparently at that age, I was able to like talk very early on and remember certain like, you know, we have a dead language called Sanskrit, some Sanskrit hymns, Mm -hmm. and I was able to repeat them. So that that profound impact that has on a a girl's psyche, you cannot underestimate that either. Right, right. And that's the thing that, you know, from a young age... There's so much power in your words when you're younger, and it's so very true. And the one thing that really stood out for me in your story was crises and, you know, how crises hit your family, like with the storm and your house was decimated and you don't have much money. And your dad was just beside himself like here you know are four women my house is gone and it was just incredible the way you pictured it in my mind was wow he held it together but you were scared can you talk about that like what how that impacted you to where you are in a company and when those stressful moments come up because I mean I know it's not the same (laughs) but I'm sure it might be a gut feeling like the roof is you know, like they say, the wheels have come off the car. <laughs> you don't know where you're going. It literally, yeah, it literally happened that way. I mean, the incident you're referring to, we had a particularly tough year on the farm. We were in a lot of debt. Um, my mom's health was, you know, she was in a precarious place with a lower intestine infection. Mm. And then there was this summer night where the roof just blew (laughs) out. So to me, it was like the bottom a human being can hit, Mm -hmm. right? And I was worried for my dad. I was watching over him that night. And I was terrified because of what was happening around that time in India. A lot of farmers were who were going through hard times and had a lot of mm-hmm. debt were committing suicide. Wow. So I was very scared that day, that night. But, you know, crisis is really interesting in, in our lives, right? It can make you or break yes. you. So watching my dad pull through that night, what it taught me was that the capacity for a human being to live through at a low point like that and then bounce back that incredible strength mm-hmm. we have as human beings, resilience. And it's just, you know, my dad is not special. Geetha is not special. Human beings are special in this yeah. way. And what you just said made me think of also Martin Sheen likes to tell this story. Mm-hmm. Of uh, He says there is a fable in Irish culture. An Irish man died and he showed up at the pearly gates. And St. Peter says, 
come on then, show us your scars <laughs> before letting him into paradise. And the man says, I don't have any scars. And St. Peter says, how sad, wasn't there anything worth fighting for in wow. life? So that story is, to me, is meaningful in the way I view life, yeah. right? Without those struggles, without crises, without low points, how do we know what's good in yes. life? Yes, the appreciation, how, yep. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. and the core of our character is formed by those, right? And Rumi says the same thing. I love Rumi, I do. It's right, beautiful. yeah. There is that famous quote that says, wounds are the windows through which light enters our soul. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we have to live through tough times in order to truly form as, as beings. And Japanese culture has something similar. I forget the name for it. But when like a piece of pottery breaks, mm -hmm. they put they attach it together with gold because wow. that beautiful scar is so much more meaningful. Wow. And right now we are at that critical time where this will transform everybody and how we yes. take it to yeah. the other side is really going to transform it's already happening i think how we're going to transform into this you know new decade i just really th think that your story is amazing and that here you are leading a team of men and it took a lot. And as you're saying, the impact and your environment that you had growing up really tells a lot. And what really stands out for me is the why. Your why mm -hmm. of, you know, you setting out on this course, your story of just coming over in not knowing very much, but reading through books about how this was going to be a, a great experience, but you didn't understand the weather patterns of the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. I, I, can you start there? Because that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I say this in the article too. My journey compared to other immigrants and what they go through is trivial, really. I mean, I, I think of, you know, first of all, this nation is founded by immigrants. Absolutely. And, you know, the native peoples mm -hmm. of this land also actually came here 40,000 yep. years ago. I mean, I'm not a historian or a... So the journey of humanity, we left Africa, you know, 70,000 yes. years ago. That drive of moving from place mm -hmm. to place and exploring new things and new horizons mm -hmm. is genuinely human. Yes. And some of us still retain that because, of course, we've, we've also settled down. And um, my grandmother has probably traveled 100-mile radius. That's about wow. it, right, in her, in her generation. So that, I think, is quintessentially human, the why of why I want to go anywhere. <laughs> you know, for me, it was more of like Indian society. I, I kind of describe myself as I'm rooted in Eastern philosophy, mm -hmm. but Western individuality. Wow. So no, that's great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So my makeup of my thought comes from that beauty of the core of Hindu religion is very much like Buddhism. Mm -hmm. 
So I identify with that uh, a lot. But the Western thought process of the basic analysis of individualism, who am I? What am I? What are my the consequences of my actions? And what is happiness to me in my individual context is really interesting to me as well, because sometimes East forgets the importance mm. of that. And sometimes West forgets the importance of the bigger picture of the Eastern philosophy. Right. So it's, it's, for me, it was always, I think, it comes from books of wanting to go to America because it was this land of where people go to realize freedoms, true freedoms. Yes. And, and I go on to say, of course, you know, um, true freedoms exist only in our minds, it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not found in a place or, or granted by any other person. Uh, so for me, it's about spreading my wings and going to a place where it's, it is that shining idea, the shining beacon on the hill for all of us yes. still. But to, I also really empathize with the refugees that are leaving war-torn countries mm-hmm. to find basic safety or people who are crossing the Sonoran Desert to find a better mm-hmm. life. We are all the same. Yes. You know, if anything, my journey was much easier. And in this connected globe, how we deal with this and how we welcome each other is a question in front of us, and we have to solve that. Yeah, very humbling to hear that, that given what you wrote and how I I perceived that journey, and then you making the bigger picture of how we are just migratory people in general, really just brings it all back into perspective that that's just something that we do. We just need to move yeah. on. It's in there. You know, some of us want to stay close, like your grandmother, to stay close to communities. But some of us have that ambition to, I need to go further. And I don't know what that is, really. I mean, it's it's in there, but but what is it exactly? Is it something that, you know? Don't you think it's evolutionary Hmm. part, you know? Because people like my grandmother are also important to root grow roots and create communities traditions and cultures right. they're the keeper of, and of the of the cultures right mm-hmm. correct yeah and then part of the population in its evolution and again i'm no evolutionary scientist don't take my word for it <laughs> i always speak from <laughs> intuition right part of the tribe had to go mm-hmm. out you know travel outside of the boundary eat that berry that killed them. But, you know, it was important knowledge for the right. tribe to know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, right. Who's, who's going to be the sacrificial lamb, you know, in exactly. this? I, I can just say that it's a journey and it's an experience that all of us really doubt our resilience. And, you know, I just talked with a young woman yesterday who I heard her story. It was quite amazing. And, She's a computer science engineer and she wants to start her own company and she was homeless with her mom. And now they're, you know, getting back on track and she's working three jobs and going to school to get her computer science engineer because she wants to start her company. So I was chatting with her and I said, you know, the universe put you here for a purpose and you're feeling it. So don't be afraid 
it might seem scary, but you'll be fine. You will. And um, she was, you know, it it just really touched me. And I think for women, though, it's harder, a lot harder to to say, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go do that, especially coming from strong traditional cultures, you know, which is Mm -hmm. why I was so fascinated by your story and your family saying, yes, go, you know, do this. So is that your why? I want to know how you 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 quote here dare to dream to build a company right uh-huh. and then you know that's your why but don't you think some people were challenging you like who do you think you are lady <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely you know um <laughs> i love the thing <laughs> i bet you that's applicable to all of us, right? When you have an idea, it doesn't matter whether you're starting a company or writing a book or you have a new idea that you want to present to people, everybody will question that. And I think it's actually also, again, we are dealing with human beings and some of the inherent human qualities. There is this always tug of war between the existing norms mm-hmm. And people who want to pull it forward. And I think a healthy society operates with a good balance between that. And here's why also, and I'm going to be a little political here. The oh, conservatism. God, a woman being political. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody sit down. <laughs> right. And the forces we see at play, the conservatism and progressivism, have always existed side by side and they should exist side by side because conservatives and I'm I'm using the word in its classic Mm -hmm. sense meaning people like we talked about who grow roots who build cultures and want to propagate they are the keepers of those cultures they want to conserve Mm it progressives want to move it forward with the times, with the ideas, and a healthy balance of these two working together is a good thing, actually, for society. Mm. And it should be in balance. So uh, I think the why of entrepreneurs are, we are on the progressive side. We want to not just accept what's working. And and sometimes it's probably working smoothly and making everyone happy. But by nature of us, I I think it goes both with immigrants and entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. We want to do things differently. We want to go out there and try something different. And we will hear the rest of the society say, why why change things that are working perfectly fine? Or why do you even need this? And it's a perfectly valid question also. I think when you view things through these lenses, life really becomes manageable, for me Mm -hmm. at least, right? So... The why of me starting a company really goes to realizing the full potential within, Mm. right? Because I could have stayed in a normal career track of growing in the technology track, either through engineering or some other track in a big company and could have grown into a leadership Mm. role. But is that exercising my full potential? Building a company is an extremely... Uh, challenging and a uniquely challenging thing to do so yeah the why of it is that for me um, 
And oftentimes, if you build from a good why, then you have the persistence and the patience to see mm. it through. If I started the company, let's say in, you know, I started the company in 2011, and my goal was I wanted to be a zillionaire by 2013, I would have been absolutely miserable, right? Because I'm starting for the wrong mm. reasons. And at least for me, the wrong reason, because for some people, money is the right reason, and you'll make a ton of money, and you'll be happy. Um, but or for so me, it's about... <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think each of us, we owe ourselves the the answer to the why, mm-hmm. and then truly look within and find that reason why you would want to go through such a tough journey. It's not no. easy. No, it's not. It's, mm-hmm. No, I mean, I'm on the same path. I mean, I thought I really resonate with what you just said, because when I left tech, I wanted to do something good. I'm doing it now. And that's to elevate yeah. more women in this space with their stories, their journeys, but also to talk about how we need to change it because it's so male dominated. And that male energy is really affecting a lot of how we perceive the world, how we are engaging with technology, which should be for the good of society. Mm-hmm. And it's not really going that way. And that's, you know, something I want to point out. I mean, we're using some of the biggest platforms on the planet and it's really having an effect on a lot of people. And I want to, you know, quite frankly, say it's people of color. And so that's one of the reasons why I started this show was to talk (laughs) about how women are actually changing the game and we need to hear more of these stories like you. And like, you know, these young women that I'm talking to that they want to start a company and change things and make it better for families and for cultures. And like you said, bridging the culture with progress and making it better. But I I think that's just our way. I don't know if that's an innate physical, just a way we're genetically made up or, you know, I don't know. Some people would probably refute that but that's just something I feel I don't know no I clearly hear your Mm -hmm. why you have a admirable mission and that's what you can always look to right because I'm sure you have similar you know it's hard to put these things together and execute and there are days where you're like why why am I doing this and having (laughs) right yeah And and, and like you talk about bootstrapping And, you know, being an entrepreneur and, you know, using your own money. And some people don't have their own money. It's like, well, how do I get started? Well, you know, the first thing is to make a plan because you do need to use money at some point. And, you know, like other people, as you mentioned earlier, they can get money from anywhere, usually that, you know, have connections or that capital. Um, And, you know, most of us that like you who come from other countries or myself, we've either had to make it through technology and we built up that foundation of monetary equity for ourselves where we can do it. And we feel that there is a, a purpose bigger than us. And then sometimes there's, you know, people that are saying, I will invest in you. But the difference, I think... And I I would like you to elaborate on this a little bit. The difference between using your own money 
versus getting mm-hmm. invested money from a VC or a seed funding because it, at some point it does come in handy but there's a big big difference in how you operate your business with those two correct absolutely mm-hmm. so in terms of i think bootstrapping a company people have done it in many ways i also want to make sure I didn't start out with a lot of money, right? I had enough money where I can have like pay rent and eat meals and not take a salary from the right. company. For so I actually took no salary for almost three and a half years. So I saved up enough so that I can do that, mm-hmm. right? And in the process, I actually recruited folks, which who I call like founding engineers, who were willing to work with like really little salary or with equity. So think of, you know, how much of that it, it really about goodwill and building connections. And then the real testament to a product being relevant Within the first 14 months or so of us being in business, we signed our first contract, meaning we built a product that's relevant to the market and and to customers. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's a huge contract. It was just a proof, right, right, that we had something good to offer. And so the the pros and cons are, like I talk about in my article, you know, we're all sort of dots in, in this fabric of this society and people like us I'm not really connected to any influential networks I come from a different country different you know background and all that so the way I decided I would build my company instead of going around trying to pitch to investors was to try and build a product from the ground up with my own network Mm. so first recruits were who I worked with Mm. in the past or friends of friends. And this is, you know, partly goes into actually both highlighting an interesting thing and also a problem we see. So if you look at our website, Mm -hmm. my founding network, you know, I have uh, Latin American, uh, Chilean, Mexican-American co-founding engineer, Mm -hmm. and then an African-American you know, VP of mm-hmm. engineering. So did that happen consciously? No, they were friends mm-hmm. of friends. I have an open network that I'm communicating outside of my own whatever perceived identity. That's how they ended up in my network. And then we recruited their friends who, you know, their friends. So inadvertently, we built a very diverse mm-hmm. team, but it also highlights the problem because of what we talk about in big tech, not having diversity, right? We're all recruiting friends of friends. And if you look at our website, I'm the only woman so far because yes, it's your company. <laughs> yeah, it's my company. And we kept building, you know, recruiting friends of mm-hmm. friends because the restricted parameters we had, right? Like you had to come on board with not expecting too much because it's a bootstrapped company. So friends convinced friends enough to join with all of this. Now that we're at a stage, we're kind of sitting back and saying, let's really look at what we should do Mm -hmm. now to bring women on board and things like that. But in the beginning, we didn't have that luxury. 
But I'm also sharing this story to illustrate the bigger point, the, the connected networks that we see, right? And so we all have to step outside of the circles that we surround ourselves mm-hmm. with and reach, reach across and, and, you know, expand our views and networks and our worlds. And then that's how we solve the diversity problem. Mm-hmm. I really don't think there is a sinister intent mm-hmm behind what's happening in the tech industry. It's just that French recruiting friends. <laughs> and, and we just need to be cognizant of that and, and be, you know, a little mindful about expanding yeah. that. Well, I mean, it's hard mm-hmm. in the beginning, like you said, when you just have a when, network that you are going to reach out to that you know that you've worked with that can help versus yeah. I don't know anybody and I'm going to do this on my own. And I think it's a mindset for some people that when you do start your business and you're recruiting friends of friends, because that's how a lot of big, bigger tech companies did. And then they created an ethos that, you know, is kind of, it's changed over time, but it's kind of set a foundation for a lot of people that how they think. And I know you're saying it's not sinister and, and, and of course there's a big difference between, you know, platform social technologies versus you know enterprise software for big companies there's there's a huge difference because the enterprise software is solving company problems like operational problems or how to you know really use a tool to help manage the business or grow the business better whereas you know social platforms are more about engagement and monetization and advertising, which is really, you know, that's a little bit different. And uh, I mean, it's a lot different. And so there's a lot of people out there who, you know, when you say bootstrap, they don't have any bootstraps. So it's like, how do do you just start? It's like, well, it could take time, but just have your plan. That's, that's what I say. Just keep writing your plan out. And this is some really good information that we're doing, because as you say, you want to solve a problem, you know, you want to figure it out, see where the market is, see how you and your team and look in the market. Is anybody else doing that? Is there a gap? You know, where's the gap, right? What if everybody else is doing the same thing you are, but you still feel so passionate. You're like, no, there's this one thing it's like, well, maybe that's the niche that you focus on if that's really what yeah. you want to do, right? Great mm-hmm. advice. And one piece that I will add is that view this as a marathon, yes. not a sprint. Mm-hmm. You know, like with anything in life, you really need to put work into building a company, you know. And in a way, I'm, I'm so happy you're doing this podcast overall highlighting women we do approach I think sometimes problems differently Mm -hmm. and we have more of a patient (laughs) longer term vision Uh, (laughs) and that needs to be highlighted more because we do a disservice by talking about overnight success we sure do I'm so glad you said that I mean that's what's happening right now in the podcasting industry they're like oh my god you can monetize your podcast and make like you know six figures in a year it's like "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm no (laughs) exactly you know what it takes it's such a hype yeah Yeah. no there's a lot of hype out there for sure so that's where I think we all need to be kind of 
mindful and be grounded in reality and truth, mm -hmm. right? If anything, sometimes when I talked on panels, I really talk about how hard it is. And you need to really be prepared before you embark on a journey. Because I oftentimes see this dream of, oh, first of all, there are a few people that have just the, uh, they love the titles, right? And the CEO, the founder, and all of that. In the grand scheme of things, it means right. nothing. You're the CEO of one, essentially, yeah. right? When you start mm -hmm. the company, it means nothing. So have a disillusion about these grandiose titles. And two, it's okay to want money. I mean, we all want money in order to exist in this modern yes. world. But if that's your primary motivator, it's really going to be a miserable journey because <laughs> <laughs> there will be a lot of lows mm -hmm. and more lows, yeah. <laughs> if, if anything, you know, especially, you know, e even if you took VC money uh, earlier, I actually didn't answer fully your question about the control you have when you build your own company versus the control you lose when you take outside mm -hmm. money. I can happily report with the growth, we actually did some really great things, being able to reward employees the way we see fit. And also even vacations we took, one of the traditions that I'm very proud of is we started doing annual company vacations. It started out very humble, just a day trip to Napa. And then we started going, you know, the our last one was to the oh. Bahamas for 10 oh, days. Wow. And, you know, nice. <laughs> the whole team. And yeah, <laughs> and it cost money. Can we do but a at the same time, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That'll be somewhere yeah. down the line. <laughs> Right. You know, so, you know, it costs money for me to uh, arrange this for mm -hmm. all the team to be together. Yes. And, but, you know, it's, I have the control mm -hmm. over it. You know, I don't have to answer to an investor saying, why are you wasting this kind of money on, right. <laughs> but, you know, the, the amount of goodwill it builds between the team members. And since we are remote, this, this annual, like we've been doing this for almost now, eight nice. years so yeah employees really look forward to it and it's almost like you know a wonderful way to bond with each other and uh, create that culture yeah so yeah there's great pros of bootstrapping the great cons are you are responsible for everything yes you <laughs> so, are and you wake um, up in the middle of the night going oh my god yes what yes. did I do? Or I didn't do that. Or, oh, I mean, right. it's, it's a lot because you, you're so driven and you're so passionate and you, you really have this expertise that you can provide to people. But again, how you execute it is, is a whole different thing. And it's, it's not just a done deal. It, it takes trial and error and you will <laughs> yes. fail. Yes. And things like COVID hit and nobody prepares for that. Um, right. You know, these things happen and how you pivot and all this resilience that we've been talking about in this podcast is really how yep. you come out on the other end. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Resilience, patience, and, and just tears. always. <laughs> yes, my tears. And tears. Um, <laughs> Right. And tears, exactly. Um, 
all of that, all of that. And I think that's the reality. And let's not forget like our responsibility to our customers, especially, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're enterprise customers or the platforms that you're talking about. We do touch real lives. We do. And, you know, customers really, for us, enterprise customers, we have to respect that they are running their business on our product. Mm -hmm. So be mindful of that and make that also front and center, right? It's not just you built a cool product. How are you supporting that? You know, are you truly there for your customer when something goes wrong? Because no software is perfect. I'd love to tell you that, but <laughs> there what? will be bugs. There will be. <laughs> Wait, can we just go back to the beginning of the of right. when I tried to log in? <laughs> so for all of you that are listening, we just started and I logged in just by clicking the link for Squadcast. This is the Squadcast uh, podcasting uh, platform, which is awesome, by the way. But because of Teresa not knowing that she has to log in as the host, <laughs> we couldn't record for the last like 15 minutes. And I was trying to understand why. And it's because Geetha Valabanini, <laughs> she helped me because this is what happens when she says you have nerds as guests. They can help troubleshoot <laughs> the application they know nothing about, but they know <laughs> you have to log in first. <laughs> oh my God. That was too much. Um, <laughs> All right. All right. All right. That was good. That was good. Thank you. <laughs> this is a, a good showcase of two women, how they collaborate when there is a problem. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Except you need one to be a nerd, a technology <laughs> engineer nerd that knows these things. Like the IT guys, they used to tease us all the time when we used to take our laptops and like my laptop's not working. They're like, just click refresh <laughs> have you like, ever like something as simple as that just click refresh and right. it'll happen you know <laughs> like, oh okay it's like true salesperson just click a button <laughs> have you ever watched that snl skit the it guy with jimmy fallon people mm. would be coming to him and then he'd try to tell them a couple of things and then they're still failing and he'd say <laughs> move and then take the computer over and start working oh, <laughs> and fix God. the problem that's how sometimes i feel like helping my family mm. <laughs> it's move I, yeah just move <laughs> excuse me <laughs> it's like click mouse exactly. if you have a mouse <laughs> click <laughs> hit refresh escape <laughs> button is <laughs> your parachute always <laughs> all right it's yeah. silliness so yes i mean i i really think we have to when we're talking to the next generation of entrepreneurs to teach this responsibility and and your responsibility to to your employees mm -hmm. and their well-being and their how much i value my teammates um it's not about me. It's about the team. And I'm not saying that uh, to be falsely humble. It's truly mm -hmm. true. You know, without people building the product, supporting it, 
where will you be? Yes. Right. I'm just, you know, I'm just one person. So having that attitude towards your team is what truly builds you up as a leader. And also, you know, team really respects you for it too, because they can see you respect them. It's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. It really is. And I think somewhere along the line, a lot of companies, not a lot, but the bigger ones have, they're really out of touch with that. And the smaller companies are really at the forefront of creating a lot of amazing products that bigger companies just can't be as in touch on the ground level, which, I mean, that's why acquisitions happen. And then, you know, things just keep growing. But I think this was a lot of tidbits. I mean, we went from, you know, astrophysics and point land (laughs) all the way down to, I don't want to say down. I just want to say we went all the way to, you know, it's all about the customer. (laughs) Right. We brought it from the universe all the way down to, you know, Cheetos. So, (laughs) (laughs) and you know, if I can say just one more thing about, let's not forget the community that we're part of, right? And we started seeing uh, this podcast about me introducing President Obama. It all comes down to I'm not only involved in my company, but I try to be part of the community that I am Mm -hmm. in. I'm part of that Silicon Valley leadership group. I'm on the board of Dignity Health Foundation, and I'm extremely proud of the work that we Mm -hmm. do. And I'm also on the advisory council for the Museum of African Diaspora. You know, we can't be just a one-dimensional, let's build technology, you know, make profit out of it. It's how can we contribute back to the community that that makes us who we are as well. And for all entrepreneurs, I say that really wholeheartedly from the bottom of my heart. Get involved in the community yes. as well. No, absolutely. <laughs> There's... I think once they, you know, when you have risen from the community, just like myself, it's just an innate feeling to give back. And you, you yes. that's what I'm doing is you just reach back. And that's just, I don't know. I think it's a yeah. cultural thing. I think it's a, I mean, people are saying, why is it your responsibility? Well, because I, I mm-hmm. care about the future of, yeah. you know, what, what this country and what we do as a whole, as human beings, and how we provide for one another. Um, and I think technology is part of the bigger picture. And, you know, there's going to be more podcasts about this. But, Geetha, I know I've taken up a lot of your time here today, but this was an amazing podcast. I really enjoyed having you and listening to your story and getting into the real human aspect of why we're here and the creation of products and the giving back to the community. And it should always be from the heart and, and just, you know, really just, you know, you got to tough it out sometimes because that's what love is. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Love is, you know, you tough it out and it hurts. And that's really what it is. I've always said in a previous podcast, I'm like, your business is your baby. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you got to, you know, nurture it, grow it. And that's what you put out there. And yeah, that's, that's my take on it. (laughs) You were absolutely right. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And thank you so much for reaching. Yeah, no, I, your story just 
really touched me. And I really, I, I said, I can't, I have to, I have to speak to this woman. So, <laughs> so and, and I knew you from back then. And I thought, wow, this is, you know, how far you've come and where you are. And then, uh, you know, introducing President Obama, I was like, are you kidding me? Wow. Uh, it was awesome. Oh, I have such an awesome story about that. So the Silicon Valley Leadership Group, one of my friends, Emily, she was coordinating with the White House outreach team. And of course, they were looking for a, an immigrant to introduce President mm -hmm. Obama. And I had no knowledge of this, right? So I was at a conference on a Thursday. Mm -hmm. I get a phone call and, and they say, this is the White House outreach. <laughs> um, and we were wondering if you would. Did you think it was a President joke? Obama. Like, is this a joke? <laughs> I thought it was a prank call. <laughs> Literally. It's <laughs> like, who is this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was, that was a memorable occasion. I, I loved meeting yeah. him and chatting with him briefly. This is how thoughtful his team were. And I didn't even know. Otherwise, I would have actually printed it out and I wrote it in my you know, handwriting a, a mm -hmm. paper, they took it and had him sign it and return wow. it to me. I was just floored by that thoughtfulness. That's, you know, leadership is about that, right? Yeah, he's you know? just amazing. Oh, mm -hmm. gosh, I don't want to get started yeah. on that. So Geetha, <laughs> tell us how people can find your company and how they can follow you on your social handles, because I have this feeling you're going to be writing more stories that relate to how you run your business and all that good stuff. Thank you. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Geeta Vallabhanini, but I know that last name is hard to spell. <laughs> so search for Geeta, G-E-E-T-H-A space Luminix, L-U-M-I-N-I-X. Mm -hmm. You will find me. Or go to luminixinc.com. That's our company website. I'm on the About page along with mm -hmm. my team. Or on Twitter, search for G-E-E-V-A-L-L. G -E -E -V -A -L -L. Perfect. Yep, yes. I'm sure you're going to have some followers that are going to want to reach out to you and, you know, learn more about you because this story is amazing and they're going to want to know when your book comes out. So, oh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I see a book in your future. <laughs> oh, that's great to hear. Thank you so much. It makes me You're happy. You're welcome. <laughs> well, thanks for being here. And I'll be in touch with you after the show. Well, thank you, Gita, for joining me today on Latinas from the block to the boardroom. I enjoyed this conversation with you so much. And I hope you did too out there. Thank you for subscribing on all your podcasting platforms. But please sign up for our newsletter and keep us going at latinasb2b.com. Because what we do is we highlight our guests, but also their company and the resources that you can use, which can be available to you to highlight your podcast or your business. Again, this is Teresa with Latinas from the block to the boardroom. And thank you for listening. Gracias.